You are listening to the In Perspective Weekly Podcast with Bob Branco and Peter O'Toole. Hi, everyone. Welcome once again to In Perspective. I am Bob Branco. This is episode 299. Yeah, one more before we hit the 300. Amazing. All right, well, before I introduce Peter, let me offer my thanks to those people who make it possible for In Perspective to be aired. We start out with Raymond Gay, our producer. Thank you for editing our programs. We appreciate what you do. I also want to thank Tom and Lynn from Rosie's Place Chatline. They post our shows on greeting door number 15. Thank you for doing that. Also, our media sources, thank you for airing us. When you do, we appreciate that very much. And finally, let me thank Jacqueline Sylvia of JS Web Solutions, who archives our programs on my website, which is www.brancoevents.com. Just go there and find In Perspective Podcasts. Click on those, and you will see all of our archives, or most of them anyway, from latest to earliest. And now Merci, the- Jackie. And the voice you just heard is my good friend and co-host, Peter Elchel. And hey, Peter. Peter, how's it going? It's okay. My, I, my Zoom decided to kick me off. For reasons Shame I don't on Zoom. Understand. It's, having so, a bad I, hair, it's having a bad hair day, I suppose. Yeah, obviously. Peter, yeah. Peter, we, Peter, we should give, a, give Zoom a negligence penalty for that. Yeah, something like if that. If possible. Before we introduce, a, 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 a fraudulent penalty, perhaps. Anyway, <laughs> before we introduce our special guest for the day, let me thank a listener. I want to give a shout out to a listener who supports us, and that would be Allison from Michigan. Thank you, Allison, for listening. We appreciate you. It's that time of season again, ladies and gentlemen, where most of the country worries about and thinks about their tax situation. I know we have a few more weeks to go before we have to file, but in the meantime, we're going to learn more about the tax laws, about any updates, and who better than an employee or a former employee, I should say, he's retired, from the IRS, who worked there for many, many years. We've had him on the show before. Ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce Dennis Brady. Dennis, what's happening? Oh, I'm I'm still kicking. I'm glad to hear that. Yep. <laughs> been, re- been retired. I'll be probably retired six years as of this June 30th. So how long have you worked for the IRS before you retired? 37 years, seven months, not counting the five or six months they gave me an extra time because of my sick leave. So I wasn't that far off. In my promo, I said approximately 30 years. Well, at least I didn't say exactly. But anyway. Slightly over 38. <laughs> So what did you do for the IRS? I started in 1979 as a taxpayer service rep, um, working work the phones. Um, I worked I worked the phones but first as a, temp, as a temporary taxpayer service rep. And actually, I stayed around a little longer because when you have a disability, they hire you, hire you under a special appointment, so you, they've got their working for 700 hours to see if you can do the job. Peter knows all about this one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, actually, the interesting thing for, for me, Dennis, is I wasn't hired under that component. Um, I was hired uh, 
uh, as, as a quote unquote uh, under the normal way of doing business. So I didn't have to worry about that particular headache. Yeah. There are lots of others I had to worry about, but that wasn't one of them. Yeah. And then they, uh, then I wound up doing working, uh, accepted appointment temporary for a while. I became a permanent employee in November of 1980. Of course, the deal there, they were trying to get, they were trying to make me a permanent before Ronald Reagan could get a, before Ronald Reagan could get elected to freeze the hiring process for a while. You came in under the wire. And I came, I ended up coming in under the wire. I was a permanent CSR, taxpayer service rep, until 1987 when I became a taxpayer service specialist. The difference between a rep and a specialist, especially specialist gets the uh, more technical information technical tax laws that most people won't touch. They get uh, they get to work at accounts-related information. And at that time, adaptive, adaptive equipment came in, so that's what gave us access to the IRS computers and to the uh, various tax law out, outlets that we could get our hands on. Because prior to the adaptive technology, we had no access to our integrated data retrieval system, which is basically our account system. No access to anything that gave us the internal revenue code, internal revenue regs, revenue rulings, revenue procedures, and anything else. We just had the IRS publication that the general public could get. Only it was boxes and boxes of publications because, as you're probably aware, a print publication is numerous volumes of braille. Numerous, real numerous volumes. Well, at least you had complete access to the material you needed in order to perform your job, and that's half yep. the battle. That's half the battle, and then, then it got better as I got online. Oh, yes, that would make it a lot easier. Then I, it just got a lot better as I got online. Mm-hmm. So I was... Uh, uh, tax specialist, and of course, one of the requirements of that position is occasionally you have to instruct, you have to instruct trainees. So I got to do, uh, a couple of phase one tax law classes for the newly hired taxpayer service rep. Yes. Which, which was fine. I had a reader work with me on that, and of course, the, the worst, the worst part about that, that job was filling out the development guides. Well, most of us are familiar with the tax laws. A lot of us file, either because we work or because we just qualify. Or you qualify for something. Right. So we know about the deductibles, I think, especially for blindness or for anything else that qualifies for that to happen. Well, a few things that happened since then, you, you may not be aware of it, but over the past few years, there were various things that came into play because of, well, the American Rescue Plan Act and a couple of other acts. Remember those economic stimulus payments? No, we certainly do. The $1,200 you got in April of 2020, the $600 you got in December of 2020 or January 2021, 
And then the $1,400 you got in March 2021. Basically, if you had $75,000 or less, you got the full amount. Anything more than that, you got nothing. $150,000 if that was on a joint return. But there were some people that didn't get the full amount at the beginning, and it might have been eligible later. The only way they could claim that, they had to claim something called the rebate recovery credit on the next tax return they would be filing. So that, that became an interesting situation. So that's all done, thank goodness. And then they had, if you had kids, you had the advanced child tax credit. They were sending out checks. They jacked it up to $3,600, and then they were sending out checks of 300 bucks a month, essentially. Well, that eventually went. They had a, a non-itemized, people who did not itemize could take up to $300 off of their tax, off of their income for any charitable contributions they made. And it was basically a feel-good deduction. It saved you, depending upon what marginal bracket you were in, it saved you anywhere from $30 to $110, depending upon where you ended up. It was really a feel-good deduction. Well, all of those, all of those pandemic-related benefits all went bye-bye in 2022. They've all expired. So now we're back, now we're back in terms of the, uh, child tax credit and the child care and the benefit. We're basically back to where we were in 2019. So you might have heard advertisements from the IRS saying that your refund might be smaller this year. Well, if you had kids, it very well could have been, could be smaller just because of all those benefits that are gone. And that includes the non-itemizer charitable deduction. That went, that went too. That disappointed me. <laughs> Peter? Yeah. So, so Dennis, um, what, what should people most focus on this year as they file their taxes? Any, any major, you, you talked about some of these major changes, but as you're looking at the forms, or preparing what should, which people take a look at well, and be, be aware of. Well, the standard deductions all went up. Uh, all the standard deductions went up. In fact, they went up again next year through big time. The, uh, I mean, a single taxpayer now has a standard deduction for 2022 of $12,950. You can add another $1,750 to that if you're blind and another $1,750 to that if you're over 65. And, and thank goodness for electric, if you file electronically, your program's going to figure that out for you once you give them the right information. Um, if you're, if you're married filing and, so the standard deduction for single and married filing separate is twelve nine fifty plus whatever additional standard deduction may apply. 
Um, if you're married, filing a joint return, the standard deduction for 2022 is $12,900. Now, the What's... age and blindness deduction for that one is $1,400 apiece, $1,400 each. So, potentially, if both are blind and both are 65 and older, that's another $5,600. Hey, Dennis? Yes. What did you what did you say the marriage filing jointly standard deduction is? Twelve thousand nine hundred. So it's uh, the same no, 20, as no, twenty five nine. Thank you. 20, okay. Twenty five nine plus the additional standard, which could be as much as an additional fifty six hundred dollars. And married filing separate is is as if you were filing signal signal it's signal. As if you were filing single. Um, head of household is 19425 They basically take half of the uh, single itemized deduction and add it on. And, and, and how do you qualify for being head of household? To, to be head of household, uh, you must be uh, – your spouse must not have lived with you for at least half the tax year. And you have someone living you in both cases that could be a dependent. Now that's now that because of the higher standard deductions, you can't claim a dependency exemption. But it becomes important if you're cl- if you're claiming something like the child tax credit or the child care tax credit, it becomes an issue. But the uh, so it's. Uh, so that's the 2022 standard deductions. And there's a number five, there's five filing statuses. I just gave you four of them. There is a, there is a fifth one, which has special rules. It's called qualifying widow or widower with dependent child. And that's intended to help you if you have a child, you're a single parent and you just lost your spouse. In the year of death, you may file a joint return. That's always been the case. But if you have a qualifying dependent child, for the next two years afterwards, you can use the special status of qualifying widow or widower and basically use a joint standard deduction and joint table. How old must the child be before he's no longer declared a dependent, or does it matter as long as he lives under your roof? Um, up to age 19, unless they're a full-time student, and then it's age 24. Okay. Okay. And I, I am guessing, uh, if my memory is correct, that uh, it's much harder to get Schedule A deductions, right, with with, with that exemption oh, it, being it, as high it as is, it, is. it is. It's damn hard because yeah. the standard deductions got checked, basically got the, – the heightened standard deductions came as a result of what some people call Trump's law, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Creation Act of, of 2017, which became effective in 2018, which eliminated – well, let's, uh, you're going to love this, Peter. 
all of the miscellaneous deductions that had a floor of 2% of adjusted gross income, they all got eliminated. So no more union dues, no more tax preparer fees, no more employee business expense. I mean, the only thing left for miscellaneous deductions at this point are claim of right where you got it, where you had to give income back and you had to take something off. Or gambling losses up to what you won. Or special deductions if you have a disability and had to incur additional expenses. Or deductions for, yeah, get performing artists. Otherwise, there's no miscellaneous deductions at all. But, but okay, even, so, even, 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 even if you consider all that stuff to, to get be, get, to get above the standard deduction as itemized strikes me is really, really hard. You know, uh, uh, well, you know. that's because the standard deduction. Yeah. <laughs> before this act came into effect, I mean, the standard deductions were basically half what they exactly. are now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They were, yeah. I mean, they're literally half what they are. So for, for most people, and I'd say that's 90 to 95% of all taxpayers. It is no longer worth it to waste your time itemizing deductions on Schedule A. Right. It just, I mean, it, it, because your medical expenses, I mean, yeah, you've got medical expenses, but the medical expenses you can deduct have to exceed 7.5% of your adjusted gross income. So, right. Now, just using a medical example, you've got a $10,000 income, that's ridiculously low, but your medical expenses, expenses have to be over 750 bucks just to claim anything. And now the uh, deductions for state and local income taxes and sales taxes and property taxes, that has a cap of $10,000 now. Which is terrible if you live on the east or west coast, where everything is so much higher. But that's a, that's what they did. They capped the state and local state and local taxes, and and, and the professionals call that the salt deductions. Salt. Salt. So, so Dennis, can you talk about uh, the complexities of Schedule C? Or the self-employment income? How do you yeah. uh, figure things out? Like, you know, the filing requirement. Basically, if your income is at least your standard deduction, you normally have to file a tax return. There are exceptions to that, and one of them is if you're self-employed. If you have a net profit from self-employment of four hundred dollars or more. You have to file an income tax return because you need to pay your own Social Security and Medicare taxes. Um, just for everybody's benefit, uh, if you if you work for a company, you fill out a form called a W four, and they withhold the necessary income the necessary income taxes based on the allowances you start claiming, and they also take out. Your Social Security tax, which is 6.2%, and your Medicare tax, which is 1.45%. For 2022, the Social Security tax had a maximum wage cap of up to $147,000. For 
So your tax couldn't be more than 6.2% of $147,000. If it was, but you get to take a credit for that under retirement. Medicare has no wage cap. They took that off several years ago. <coughs> uh, but if you're self-employed, you're on your own. And most self-employed people, if they're sole proprietors, and for everybody's benefit, a sole proprietorship is you, basically you and you alone running a business. You're running a business. You may or may not have employees. You may have expenses related to the business. I think the most probably the best example of that is a blind vendor is essentially self-employed running his own vending stand. All expenses that you have in running a business are taken on something called a Schedule C, which is a profit or loss business information. The simplest version of that is a Schedule CEZ. But if you had if you had payroll, if you had advertising, if you bought assets that needed depreciation, depreciation is just it's an accounting term. It's a way to recover costs over time. Um, mileage for your business trips, which right now, folks, is at sixty-five point five cents a mile, which is the highest it's been in a number of years. So you take all, you take all of your expenses and you put them on this schedule until you get down to your net profit. Your net profit is what you're left with for yourself after all expenses have been taken into account. If what you're left with is at least $400, then you have to pay Social Security and Medicare taxes on that. And since, since, an, since an employer isn't involved, you're paying the whole tax. So that... Uh, 12.4% Social Security and 2.9% for Medicare. But there's a calculation that they use on Schedule XE where you're actually getting 92.35% of that net profit. And then the tax is figured out on that. Now, Half of the self-employment tax you come up with is deductible on the on the adjustment section of your tax return against your income. The the idea being that you're essentially an you would have been an employer, so obviously half of that would have been the other side. So that's how the self-employment tax works. And Dennis, you mentioned a you mentioned a schedule CEZ, which I never heard of before. What's the difference between a schedule CEZ and a schedule C? Well, the, the schedule CEZ, the certain expenses that I don't know the whole thing offhand. It's certain expenses that wouldn't go there, but the basic ones that are normal to most schedule C filers would. Okay, that and sounds now, self-employed people can take, if they use their home for their business, 
they can get business use of for home expenses. Like, like electricity and fuel like, and such? Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. So long as the room, so long as the room is used exclusively for your business. Telephone. Yeah, telephone. The, the, the only exception to that is if you've got a childcare facility in your home, then it isn't, it doesn't necessarily have to be exclusive, but that gets, that gets very complex. If you're an employee, you can no longer take business use of a home because you no longer have the miscellaneous deduction that would let you do it. Yeah, that's true. So, so Dennis, um, I don't know what you're hearing uh, about uh, folks from your former job, but what I'm hearing is that if you if you call the IRS for help these days, you're lucky you're going to if you get through it all, and if you get through it all, you have to wait for a long period of time. Yeah, you got to be waiting for a long period of time. It's it's really not the taxpayer service we used to know, Peter, and that's sad to say. Is it shortness of staff? Yes, they just hired 5,000 new people this year. Mind you, I don't know what kind of training they had. But, uh, I mean, when we got trained, we did part of a 1040, and then we also did employment taxes. Yeah. Yeah, employment taxes, when your employer takes money out of your pay for Social Security and federal income taxes, they have to deposit it into an account. And they have certain deposit requirements. And I think, and at every quarter, they have to file a form reporting all the taxes. The exception to that is if you only had a thousand dollars of such taxes for the year, but you only said you filed one form, it's the 924. And they've got some pretty stiff penalties if the deposits don't match up. It gets pretty interesting. So, so I, I'm sorry, go ahead. So, so employers file that every quarter. A copy of your W-2 form, your employer submits to the Social Security Administration so that they can properly credit your Social Security account and Medicare account. Now, mind you, if for some reason we don't get your W-2, they're eventually going to get it they're eventually going to get it because those security tests have out the tapes. So, Dennis, uh, getting back to the, 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 the staffing challenges of the IRS, I, I am assuming, assuming that the, the, the money st- stays in place for these new hires to get paid, uh, you think things might get better in the customer service department over the next year or so? I'm hoping it does. They, 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 they just got a substantial increase in their budget for the first time in, I think, 11 years. Um, they've had problems. They've had problems ever since that, that so-called targeting, that so-called targeting scandal. And and that's the, what 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 was that uh, targeting scandal? That was uh, the exempt the head of the exempt organization section and a few people over there were targeting conservative groups for special scrutiny. And it's it's not clear if they actually were or weren't. Right? It's not fully clear to me that that was actually going on. And, and that, 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 yeah, 
No, but unfortunately the word got out. And yeah. So it wasn't a very pretty reaction. Why would they be targeted? <laughs> I still don't know why they would tar- why they were going to target them. Well, the reason they're, the, re- the the story is the reason they were targeted is because uh, President Obama was president. He was going after some of his enemies on the conservative side, and one of the ways that he was doing that, this, and I don't think I don't know if this is actually true or not, is that is that um, uh, they they were requiring requiring uh, audits of conservative organizations and generally, generally causing mischief using the IRS as as, as a weapon. Uh, and again, I don't fully know if this actually happened or not. If it did, of course, it's completely inappropriate and wrong. Um, it, cost us, it cost us the commissioner. It cost the exempt organizations had lowest learners to retire or get fired for dereliction of duty. It, uh, Congress was elected to give us almost any kind of a budget increase we asked for. So it, it it, it became miserable for a while. When you say commissioner, what, commissioner of the IRS? Yes. Yeah, the commissioner, yeah, the, the, the yeah, yeah, the commissioner was fired and. Yeah, the commissioner was fired. Another commissioner, there was an acting commissioner. Then another commissioner had to, had to get, had to get, had to get picked. And in the meantime, they were operating with an acting commissioner. The IRS commissioner and and chief and the and the chief counsel have to be confirmed by the Senate. And the Senate was a regular civil service, career civil servants. And the Senate wasn't really eager to confirm these folks for obvious reasons. Oh, they, they weren't eager. They weren't eager to do anything. Yeah. I mean, it was, now I understand they just picked a new commissioner the other day. I, I don't know anything more about it, but, um, Red, uh, Reddick is, Reddick, his term, his term was up in November and he didn't want another term. It really is, a, it really, it really, it really is a shame that they, I mean, I understand that, that people would be angry, you know, if, if they're, you know, if they were unfairly scrutinized. I mean, I, I get that, but, you yeah. know, one of the one of the ways the IRS gets good get, gets good publicity is if they have quality customer service. If I call on the phone, uh, you know, and, and I can get a quality answer for a question in a reasonable amount of time, that's good. You know that that that's good. You know that, that's good PR for the organization. And they well, deliberately made it. They made it deliberately yeah. impossible for that to happen. And, and I think unfortunately, unfortunately, this is not the third time that the IRS got got misused. Go back to Richard Nixon. Yep. <laughs> yeah, he he caught, he kind of caused a little mischief himself. Yes, and he I, certainly did. And, and if I, if I'm not mistaken, there was some talk that President Trump did something similar when he was president. When I heard certain, that certain certain people he didn't like. So you know, he tried. It, he, he, tried he tried, and the IRS commissioner said, "Not over my dead body." That's true. Thank you, Dennis, for reminding me of that. You're right. Um, I, I'm not going to get involved in the middle of, a, of this. Uh, no, you sh- you show me why you want us to audit these folks, and we'll look into it. But otherwise, no, we're not going to get involved. 
So, Dennis, I have a question. Now, I, don't know if any, now, I don't know if anybody knows this, but the president and vice president of the United States are subject to mandatory audits while they're in office. I'm not surprised by that. They're public officials. They're, the results of the audit are confidential. But they, the point is they are subject to being audited. And uh, I guess when they got Trump tax returns, finally, they discovered, I guess, we didn't do a couple of years. And they're like, what the hell's going on here? Yeah. But they were, well. yeah now, of course, the president has got some, now, the president has some very questionable stuff about a lot of his tax returns. I mean, he supposedly had that operating lost stuff, the eyeballs, how legitimate they are, we don't know. Uh, uh, what, what this, what this, it's, there are a number of ways of calculating business deductions, right? And business losses and yeah. evaluating property. And it can get really confusing for everybody involved. And that's the, you know, you hear about accounting, accountants having, having two different books. You know, one's one for the IRS and one is the one for the real books. It is one for the IRS and it's one for the rest of the world. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and uh, I mean, I mean, now you and I know, and I mean, technically, if you took accounting, you would know that there are, there are two methods of depreciation. One for the Internal Revenue Code and one for generally accepted accounting principles. When you run the when you run your business and you're not looking at it from a tax point, you use the GAAP to the asset depreciation phrase methods. But if you're figuring out the taxes, then you've got accelerated depreciation, you have bonus depreciation, you've got straight lining. It gets very complicated. And I'm sure he is I'm sure he's paid an accounting firm. Although you're probably aware one of his accounting firms backed out. Yeah, imagine that. <laughs> one of his but accounting so, firms backed out. One of his accounting firms backed out. Like, we don't want anything to do with this anymore. I so, mean, uh, Bob, is it is, is it time is it time for the chopping block? If yours is on the chopping block, yeah, yeah. I think we'll bring our participants in on the program right about now. We have people here who may want to ask Dennis Brady a question about taxes and tax laws and what's going on. So, what I'm going to do is turn the festivities temporarily over to Raymond, so that he can tell us whether anyone has their hands raised. Yes. Uh, first up is Kendra or uh, uh, Deborah. Um, Deborah Kendrick. Deborah Kendrick. Kendrick. Oh, Deborah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that's all right. That's all right. It's not the first time I've been called Kendra. Um, you've so had a, you've had a great you've had a great newsletter for a while. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yep. Um, it's it's actually it's if you mean Tactic Magazine, it morphed into Access World, so it's actually still going after all these years. Um, yes. At any rate, I have two questions. One is personal and one is financial. The personal okay. one is, I'm just curious, Dennis, you say you retired six years ago, but you obviously have stayed totally uh, 
tuned in to all of this sort of information. So are you working as a, a consultant or a self-employed No, I, I, just, accountant? I, just pop in, I just pop into YouTube any chance I get, jump into websites any chance I get. If I have to, I'll go into the, national, the website of a national association of enrolled agents. So it's just a, it's just an interest. You just are it's passionate it's just about an interest. it. I've been doing it for so long. You, you kind of <laughs> don't want to leave okay. it off. <laughs> Deborah, Deborah, that's, this that's is why great. I still. Deborah, this is why I still invite him on the show because I know. He yeah. This is wow. why. And, and, De- and Deborah, just for, uh, I worked for the IRS for five years, a thousand years ago. And while I'm not as quite quite as uh as as uh uh conscientious as Dennis is, you know, once an IRS guy, always an IRS guy. You know, you you have certain ways of looking at the world that you don't fully shake, even though I've gone to completely different worlds since I left the IRS. Well, I'll, I'll give you so 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 let me I'll, ask I'll my an, money I'll question. Give exa- I'll give you an example of that. I told people that I'm probably gonna stop giving charitable contributions now because I just bought my non-itemized deductions for oh. charitable contributions up to right, yeah. And, so, and then I had an accountant friend of mine. She got so furious. She's like, "Oh, for God's sakes, are you that hard up for the thirty-six dollars you're gonna have to pay more in taxes now?" I mean, really. <laughs> Okay, what, what, so, what's your financial question? <laughs> yeah. So here, here's my um, the money question. Well, it's like two things. So I have a um, a, a one person C corporation, and I'm thinking okay. about closing it out um, because doing all the financial stuff is such a pain in the neck. I've been paying a payroll company forever and it just seems so silly. I pay them just so they can take money out of my corporate account and put it in my personal account. And I pay them a ridiculous amount of money for that privilege. And then they figure my social security and all that stuff. But if I were to close it, how, how would that, how would the taxing on it? Well, could I just, give what's left in the account to my personal self? Could I just gift it to myself? And if I did gift it to myself, is there a special kind of tax on a well, gift? You, gotta, you, might, you might want to consider putting it in the LLC. I know. I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't get. I've gotten that advice many, many times since doing what I did. You might, but, want, to, you might want to consider putting it into a one-man LLC. LLC, by the way, is Limited Liability Company. Right. Can uh, you switch right. what, yep. when you have when you have a C corp? Can you switch it to an LLC? Is that legal? I don't. I don't. I don't think that should be a problem. I would check my my tax advisor or accountant on that to see how easy that might be. And then the other thing I was wondering about the same along the same lines. I, I have a condo and I'm thinking about selling it. But the last time I sold a house, I didn't need to worry about paying taxes because I took the same money and bought another house. But this time, that's I don't think like, I... That, that's all the, that's all the like kind exchange. Okay. So what it's happens a, if I sell my condo and I don't buy something else? Well, how long have you lived in the... Well... How long have you lived in this condo? 
six years. Okay, so you've lived there two years out of the last five. I assume what you're selling is your house. Is your house? Yeah. So it's a personal residence. We don't have any rental property in the middle of this. Right. That's right. So. So. Um, a capital, any capital gain up to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars is not going to be taxed. Oh, so if I can sell it for two forty nine, I don't pay taxes. Well, no. It's, it's, what, the way you figure out whether you've got a gain or a loss on that, you've got to figure out what's called your adjusted basis, which is basically your cost plus any commissions you might have paid to a real estate to help you buy it, plus points and anything else. Plus the cost of any improvements you made to it along the way. Um, okay. And then you compare that against what you're going to get for a selling price minus the real estate commission and any other expenses of sale. If that figure you end up with is a gain of $250,000 or less, there is no capital gains tax. You don't even have to report it back. You just keep keep it for your records. Oh my gosh, Peter and Bob, this guy's a genius. Hold on. Yes, he him. is. Why do you think I got him on? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and yeah, but before you, before you before you disappear, that whole LLC versus whatever you currently have. I regularly yes. hear uh, financial advice on the radio saying. You know, LLC is better than anything else. If you're, if you're gonna, if you're gonna, you know, uh, you know, do a business, the LLC seems to be the best, the best bet. So, you know, I don't know what the complexities are of going from one to the other, but let me Well, I've had mine for 30 years and I got bad advice, you know, but so I don't, I don't know. So what I'll have to look into is if you're allowed to switch it. So anyway, thanks. Hold, hold on, uh, Dennis. Deborah, I'll, Dennis I'll is trying myself. to say something. Go ahead, Dennis. Okay. Go ahead, Dennis. Now I'm going to tell you why Peter's right. Um, if you're a sole proprietorship, there's unlimited unlimited liability for you if God forbid anything happens. I mean, I I always use when I was teaching this, I always used the example of a logger who had something happen, all of a sudden his logs caused damage. Well, now there goes his business assets, and also there goes his house, there goes his bank account, there goes anything else he's got. But as a limited liability company, company, you're treated like a corporation. You can't be sued for anything more than you've got invested in the corporation. Okay. That's as far, that's as far as it goes. They can't okay. take personal property. It's just you, it's whatever you've got in the business. That's it. Okay. Well, thank that, you, Deborah, for your contribution. Yeah, thanks, yeah. Deborah. That's great. We appreciate thank it. You. Thank you. Next up, next up right. is Elizabeth right. M. Is anybody but, contributing to individual retirement accounts at all? Hold on, uh, Dennis. We have, we have another uh, question for you, Elizabeth M. Um, yes, thank you for taking my question. Um, I am someone I've have a relatively like uh, a simple tax return, but I've also have also 
um, always relied on um, cited assistance to to help me um, to to file my tax return, and I no longer have access to some of that assistance. And so I'm looking at the possibility of, of filing my own taxes using some of like some of the online filing tax tools. And um, yeah. but I've never used them before, and I was just wondering if any of them are accessible. Uh, with uh, like screen readers like JAWS or yeah, what you might recommend that, for me that I've never done it before. The two that I can recommend right now, and I think Peter may agree with me on this, TurboTax. TurboTax is one, all of the TurboTax products. You could probably use a simple one. Or Tax Act. You say Tax um, Act, Dennis? Tax Act. That's the name of the software program. Okay. Is that a new one? Yeah, I uh, never heard of Tax for several years, actually. I've heard of TurboTax. And TurboTax has been around for eons. That's part of, that, that's part of Intuit. They're very good at uh, asking you the questions. You just respond accordingly. If there's any questions, it may, if it sees something that could be a problem, it's going to ask you. Are you sure you want to do this? And then you answer and listen and see what they have to tell you to avoid a problem. You will need, you probably are going to need cited assistance in getting your income transferred from your tax documents, be it W-2s or 1099s, into the program. Once you get that done, the computer, if you just answer the, answer the questions the computer has, and eventually what the computer is going to do is figure the whole darn thing out for you. So, so Dennis, help me out with something. Um, yeah. You said that you would need site assistance to uh, input the data from your 1099s and W-2 forms. Yeah, so, unless, unless you have a way of forwarding that information over, you know. So, so, so is the issue just if if, you, if if somebody read you those figures and you made a note of it on your note taker or something, you you could you could then enter it yourself, or is, you're is enter it enter yourself into the software program? Okay, okay, but obviously you, you need to be you need to you need to know you need to know the figures to to, to input in, onto you your. Need, you need to know what the figures are. Now, of course, you always have the option of rounding the figures if you want. Now, basically, if the income's like. If it's such and such a fifty cents, if when it hits fifty one cents, you can go up one up to the next dollar. If it's below fifty cents, you go down to the lower next dollar. But it'll figure out the tax. It'll tell you how much was withheld. It'll tell you what your refund is or the amount you owe. They are going to want your. They are going to want your, the, obviously if you're going to get a refund, we strongly suggest you direct deposit it. Right. To a bank account. So the next thing they're going to want to ask for is your bank routing number. That's that nine digit number, that's that nine digit routing number the bank gets. And then they're going to want your account number. And then they're going to want to know if you want it in your savings account, your checking account, your IRA. Or whatever. So either TurboTax or Tax Act is what I heard you or say. Tax Act. 
Okay. Well-known, accessible programs. Elizabeth, do you have any other questions? Uh, no, thank you. I, I believe that covers it all. So I will uh, and then give what, those. And then what, will, what they will almost all do for you, once you've got the return figured out, you can have them. You can have the return printed, so you'll have a hard copy available. And then they're going to want. You're going to want your previous return information with you, because to verify your identity. Identity. There's two things it might want to know. It might want to know. What was your adjusted gross income last year, or what was your refund amount from last year? Well, you're the only one. You're the only one that would know either of those. That's the whole idea there. Yeah, it's, it's 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 a security question. That makes sense. It's, a, it's yeah. basically security to make sure that it's you that's doing this and. Not somebody else trying to act as an imposter. Ray, do we have anyone else? Thank you, Elizabeth. I think we have time for one more. As Actually, we have a little more time than. Well, we only have we one person with their hand raised at the time. Well, All so right. It's phone number ending in 597. You are up next. And we do have, I think we're going to have time for another question after this one. So if there's uh, we do. another one, raise yeah. your hand and, and we'll go on. So 597. Yeah, Landra. Yes, uh, I have a question about this. Um, this parishioner, um, how did he get fired again? I mean, did it have something to do with what he did? No, it's more like what one of it's more like what one of his underlings did. And of course, the usual thing you do is you blame it on the top dog. Oh, scapegoat. Yeah, so so he's the scapegoat. So he's the one that gets thrown under the bus first. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, that happens. That's how it goes. Not, and if you're not a civil servant, you don't have protection. No, that is true. Uh-oh. <laughs> that is true. All right. Uh, thank, 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 Thanks, Calandra. Thank, thank you, Calandra. We appreciate it. Uh, Ray, we do no have some more time. At this time. As a matter okay, of fact, so, we have about four or five more minutes because we started late. So, so if somebody raises their hand, Ray, let us know. Okay. But actually, in the meantime. I don't really know. I have a question, actually. Um, okay, that's okay. Sure. Uh, yeah. I don't know much about it. I haven't read up much about it, but I heard some about like some of the information of some of the like when tax returns and stuff or tax information gets released, like um, like Trump and stuff. Who permits for that stuff to be released? I was wondering if well, you might have an answer. I... Go ahead, Ray. Ask that again. Uh, like you know how they said that there is some information about uh, Trump's taxes information. Releasing enough, I was wondering if who who would permit that release, or that's how I thought I understood what I heard. Okay, the uh, this is the IRS technically does not require that the president or anybody else release their tax returns to anyone unless they authorize it or they authorize their tax preparer to release it by way of a power of attorney. Now, what has happened, all presidents 
And Peter, you can correct me on this. I think all presidents, starting with Richard Nixon, have voluntarily released their tax returns for purposes of their, of their presidential campaign so that people could see the information, the, the information. And of course, every April 15th, usually the current, <laughs> the current president usually decides he's going to release his information so everybody knows what he's got for charitable contributions, this, that, and the other thing. But it's, it's not a requirement of law. But when Trump wouldn't release his information, that kind of got on a few people's nerves. Because that is like everybody else did it except Trump. Gotcha. Now there is something now, now there is an exception to that. Congress Congress can actually request tax information on anyone for purposes of legislative oversight. Um, that's uh, good. that's uh, section two thousand sixty three F of the Internal Revenue Code code dealing with Unauthorized disclosure of tax information. Who can it be disclosed to? Who can it be disclosed to? Now, the thing there is, if Congress asks for information, the Treasury has to give it to them. But once Congress gets it, there's only three committees that can look at this information. And, Peter, I'm sure you know these committees. House Ways and Means the Senate Finance Committee, and the Joint Committee on Taxation. Now, when the when the committees get this information, any meetings that they hold about that information is closed door. It has to be an executive session. Um, now, they can vote to release some information to the public, which is apparently what they did in the House Ways and Means Committee. And that's how some information got released. But basically, any meetings they get, you know, normally, you even need the taxpayer's consent or you need his accountant's consent if there's a power attorney. We have about another minute. So, Dennis, just let us know, in case some of us need to be reminded, when is the deadline when are the deadlines for filing this year? Everybody, uh, this, this year, everybody's got a due date of April 18th. Because of the holiday on the 17th? Because on the 17th, it's a holiday in Washington, D.C., Emancipation Day. It's Patriots Day here in Massachusetts, and too. In, and, in, and in Massachusetts and Maine, it's also Patriots Day. So uh, it's, so the due date would be 18th. But of April. What happened? What happens is that if it's a holiday in D.C., but it's a national holiday for tax purposes. Yes. And so everybody got bumped to the 18th. Okay. If you can't, uh, you can get an automatic six-month extension of time to file. There's a form you have to file. It's form 4868. However, and this is important, it does not extend the time to pay. If you owe money, you're still going to have to pay it. Yes. So if for some reason you can't, if you're worried, oh my God, I need an extension, I can't pay the, 
I can't pay the whole amount I've got due. Um, no, that won't help you. If that's the case, you might as well buy your return and pay what you can. Yes. We are when out of... Yeah. When you hear from the IRS, then we can worry about setting up installment agreements. Or exactly, and, and we are out of we are out of time. Dennis, you provided us with a wealth of information. It's very important, very beneficial. Thank you very much for taking the time to be with us today, and, and continue to keep us posted. We'll have you back on again. We All appreciate right. what you have to tell us, and I'm sure everybody else agrees with me on that one. Thank you, next, Dennis. Next week, we're going to have a American Council of the Blind Scholarship winner. She's going to talk about herself and all that she's done, Julia Murray. And we're going to be celebrating our 300th episode at the same time. This ought to be interesting. And to Peter, to Ray, to everybody else who participated today, thank you for, for your part. And go safe with God's abundant blessings, everyone. Talk to you soon.